DiscerningHearts.com presents The Great Cloud of Witnesses, Guides for Prayer, with Father Mark Sizza. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the witnesses that have preceded us into the kingdom, especially those that the Church recognizes as saints, share in the living tradition of prayer by the example of their lives, transmission of their writings, and their prayer today. It goes on to state that many spiritualities have developed throughout the history of the churches. The different schools of spirituality share in the living tradition of prayer and are essential guides of the faithful. In their rich diversity, they are refractions of the one pure light of the Holy Spirit. The Great Cloud of Witnesses Guides for Prayer with Father Mark Sizza. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Sizza, thank you so much for joining me. Not a problem, Chris. It's always a, always a grace and a joy to be uh, able to speak with you. Today we're discussing the incredible Saint Therese of Lisieux. Who would would she bulk at the fact that people have lifted her up to be such an extraordinary <laughs> woman? She would probably be horrified. <laughs> <laughs> she she was such a you know. She I think she only wrote the the story of a soul under holy obedience. Mm. So so you know all of that. She would yeah. She would probably be she'd probably be very much horrified or to walk into a church and see a statue of herself, you know, with the roses and everything. She would. But we need those. We need those heroes of the faith. We need those examples in people that that we that we are able to to lift up that really have really followed Christ in an extraordinary way and really give us that example. You know, she's she's a doctor of the church, and when the church declares somebody to be a doctor, they're they're really saying, okay, pay attention um, to this person's teaching, pay attention to their life because there's there's something very very special here for for the whole universal church that, that we can, that we can learn from this saint. There will be many that will speak of her attributes of humility. And just from her writings, from a story of a soul, they will pull moments of conversion, really quite charming episodes, actually, of how she, she dealt with many things that were brought to her in the convent. One thing that is not spoken often about St. Therese is her suffering. There was a tremendous amount of that, particularly at the end of her life, wasn't there? Exactly. And not only not only physical suffering, because she had tuberculosis, and that's it's a disease of the lungs that just makes breathing um, painful. It's, I know St. Saint Faustina suffered from the, the same thing. And when she talked about just her breathing there, she said there was always like a rattling in her chest mm-hmm. and it felt like there were, you know, knives were being, you know, plunged into her every time that she would, she would breathe. And, but that wasn't the, the greatest suffering that, that St. Therese went through. The, the greatest suffering that she went through is she, she's experienced a type of, uh, of spiritual darkness uh, that that was very profound, and sometimes in the spiritual life, people will. Uh, Saint John of the Cross talks about that. He talks about the dark night of the soul, how people will will pass through this this darkness as a means of purification, because we all have 
images in our mind and concepts of God. And, and those things are, those things are not bad, but, but the images that we have, the, the concepts that we have, our ideas about God in, that are in our own mind that we've come to know through our own experience, through our own study, those things are, are created things. And so what happens is that as we, as we grow in holiness, as we grow in the, the life of grace, what happens is that God will begin to, to strip away those, um, those ideas. God will begin to strip away those, those concepts that we have of him in order to be immediately present to the soul so that, that we don't have to have this, this mediation uh, between us and our ideas and God, but, but that he is directly present to our soul. And, but this process of being, of being purified, of being stripped of these, uh, of all these things, they, it, it's experienced as darkness. It's kind of, if you've ever had experience of, my grandma used to have a cellar you know, where we'd keep like the potatoes and different things like, and canned goods and, st- or, and the stuff that we'd, you know, can for like peaches and stuff. And it was, it was, it was underground and it, to keep it cool. And, but it was really, really dark down, especially if you'd close the door mm-hmm. and we'd do that sometimes to, to one another, but then you come out into the light and to be able to try to adjust to the light, your, your, your pupils are so dilated from being in the darkness and then you come out into the light and they, they contract and it's, it, it's, it's painful. You can't see. And it, it actually hurts your eyes. And so this is what happens when we come into the presence of the divine light is it, it, in a certain sense, it overwhelms our, our, our senses and it, and it takes time for us to be able to adjust, uh, in the presence of God. But then, uh, in addition to that, so, so she, she goes through this, this type of, of darkness, but sometimes even after we've been purified, God will ask us to continue to live in that darkness and to continue to to persevere through that darkness as as an oblation as as a sacrifice as a redemptive sacrifice so that we can be more deeply configured to Christ on the cross and and a lot of people know the story of uh, of Mother Teresa of Calcutta and how you know and people were really shocked when they read her autobiography and they saw that here she is, you know, the saint and she's going around and doing all these, all these types of things. But then she starts talking about this interior darkness that she's, that she experienced for 50 years. What, you know, why was that? Well, what God was trying to do through her was not that she needed more purification, but it was so that the work that she was doing would bear more fruit and so she was given a deeper configuration to Jesus Christ on the cross. And as we are configured to Christ on the cross in the spiritual life, as we suffer with him, as we die with him, it is then that we rise to, to new life with him. But when Jesus was on the cross, he experienced this, he had this interior experience of abandonment he, because he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And, and I know he was praying the Psalms, but because he took on sin, and what is sin? Sin is separation from God. It's us rejecting God, and it's being away from God. And so Jesus 
it said in, in, I believe it's in Philippians, it said he was made to be sin. And so he took on the darkness of sin. He took on the suffering of sin. He took on that, in a certain sense, that separate, not that he really was, but he had that, that human experience of that, that suffering because he was always united with the father. I mean, that, that can't change is part of the blessed Trinity, mm-hmm. but in, in and through his human nature, he lived out that, that, that redemptive work on the cross and he experienced that separation from the father and that abandonment. And this is what the saints will talk about when they talk about that dark night and when they talk about that suffering that they experience and St. Therese for a great deal of the time when she was in the convent, she didn't, she didn't experience these ecstasies all the time. You know, we, a lot of times I think we can have this idea of the saints kind of floating around, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> but she, she, she was dead on the inside. She felt dead on the inside. And that was part of the suffering that, that she offered to, um, to her father in heaven. Today, there may be those who experience that same type of darkness, and it can be confused, can it not, with those who may be experiencing depression as it's termed these days. Mm-hmm. So there is the possibility that it becomes treated as opposed to being spiritually nurtured. Mm-hmm. And that there's a fine line, isn't there, Father Siza? I think there is. And I was, I was talking to a really good psychologist about the, the difference between the two. And one of the things that, that this psychologist told me was that in the, in normal everyday clinical depression, what, what normally happens to the person is that because of the the experience or the chemical imbalance or the emotional trauma or whatever's at the root of the depression, what happens is that the person begins to turn inward on themselves. And the focus of the depression becomes the self, becomes them. Whereas during times of, of spiritual darkness and spiritual trial, the soul doesn't turn inward on self, but it it continues to turn toward Christ it, to seek Christ in the darkness, even though they they are they're groping, even though they're they're looking, they're 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 stumbling through this darkness. They're always looking and trying to keep that focus on Christ, and so that's where even uh, when I work with people, that's where even even if somebody is you know clinically depressed. What the ultimate goal then is, is to read, even though they're experiencing that, because I don't have any magic blessings that make things like that go away, you know, like say, okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, now you're cured of your depression or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what I always try to do is to redirect that, that interior focus of, of why is this happening to me? You know, this shouldn't be happening to me, that the interior self-focus and to turn that back out towards Christ and to use it then and to give them the tools of uniting that suffering to Christ on the cross and to uniting that to his experience of, of aloneness, his experience of, of, of abandonment. And when you can help people to do that, 
that's when that that interior experience then becomes redemptive and that's where those even those interior experiences of of things like depression can actually become a means of of holiness and a means of continuing the redemptive work of Christ and and so to help people understand that there is meaning and value in that suffering and help direct them towards Christ is is always a goal then of uh, of the spiritual life and that's where those those experience those interior experiences of darkness whatever the root is they can all be used then towards helping us to grow in that interior life and in in the spiritual life saint therese i'm recalling in those those last days of her life had before her also the uh, a statue near her bed of our lady whose arms were flung open wide, and she would gaze upon that. And Our Lady is a tremendous support, as well as an example of someone who had to deal with that type of internal suffering. Oh, exactly, because you see her at the foot of the cross. Our Our Lady of Sorrows is such a, a, a wonderful image of Our Lady because even after Jesus died, she still continued um, to suffer. And, and through all of that, that, that trial and through all of that agony, she offered that in union with Christ, in union with the sacrifice that, that he was offering to the Father. And she was probably one of the few consolations that, that, that Jesus experienced along the way, you know, that, that she was there continuing to, to be there with him, to continue to, um, to support him. And that's Mary's role in our own spiritual lives and our own spiritual difficulties, because we can always turn to her because she, she knows she's experienced that she's, she's been there. And especially what are some of the greatest sufferings that say parents have is, is to when you've had a child that, that has died or when you have a child that, that's suffering in some way or a loved one that's suffering in some way. Our Lady knows because, because she experienced that. She has an experiential knowledge of that, that type of suffering because of what she went through with, with, with Jesus. And so she's such a good intercessor for us and she helps us along on that journey. And so when we can entrust ourselves to her and entrust ourselves to her, her loving care and her loving, uh, loving concern for us, she will always help us to be more deeply united to Christ. And that's something that the great saints, whether it's a St. Therese, a Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, all those great saints, Padre Pio, uh, blessed John Paul II, they, they, they all understood that role of of Our Lady in the spiritual life, in the interior life, and helping, especially during those times of trial and during those times of, of, of suffering. Now, here's something that's going to st- sound strange to the ears, potentially. It's finding joy in suffering. Now, not, now I didn't say <laughs> happiness. I didn't say that you should go out and look for the happy time in suffering, but... There is that what may seem like a paradox, a joy in suffering, isn't there? It it really uh, it really is. And she talked about that that joy that she experienced in suffering. And it's it's more than 
than simply an emotional uh, consolation, but it's something that's that's rooted in the spirit and in that that knowledge that this this sacrifice that we're offering this this suffering that we're offering is is for a greater good. It, it is to help not only us be sanctified, but that we can, through this suffering, that we can bring souls to Christ. And there is, there is a, there's an interior joy and there's a, there can be an interior peace that, that comes from that, even in the midst of, of great sufferings uh, that is given to us, that is given to us by God. And, and as I said, it's not just simply this, this emotional overflowing, but, but it's that peace that comes even in the midst of that suffering and in the midst of that trial that enables us to, to keep that focus on Christ. And she, you know, even St. Paul says, I, I, I rejoice in my sufferings uh, for your sake. And, and so even St. Paul, you know, he talks about being able to rejoice in our sufferings because when we see our sufferings, we need to see Christ in that configuration of Christ. And as we suffer with him, as we die with him, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must pick up your cross and follow me. And so as we, as we go through that experience of suffering and that there can be joy, even during those moments of, of trial and even during those moments of darkness, because we know that, that this is for, this is for God's glory. This is for a greater good. Father Sizza, in in closing this, all too brief reflection on the life and some of the, the great insights that we can glean from St. Therese, the little flower. How would you have us pray with her? I think the one of the greatest things that she said, the most simple part of her interior life was that she said, do little things with great love. And I think this is one of the attractions of St. Therese is that, that she was not able to do great penances, you know, like a, a St. Rose of Lima. She wasn't able to become a missionary and, and to go to Vietnam like she wanted to. She, was, she stayed her whole life in the same convent, uh, you know, her whole religious life. And, and yet here she is a doctor of the church. Why is that? She was sick. She was in bed. She experienced this spiritual darkness. It was very incapacitating sometimes for her. Such a great saint. She did little things with great love. One day she was just walking in the courtyard and she was just trying to get some fresh air. One of the sisters told her that she should go outside and walk around and each day and get for 15 minutes and get some fresh air. And at a certain point, and she really felt like this was her duty under obedience. So she's out there one day and she's really suffering and she's gasping and wheezing and, and, and it's, and it's painful for her. And, and the sister said, well, you don't, you don't have to, <laughs> to do that. You know, you, you know, come and you know, rest a little bit. And she said, well, I know there's a missionary out there who's really tired, who just doesn't know if they can make the next step. And so she said, each step that I take is for them. And it's, it may seem like a little thing. It's not a big thing, just taking another step. But the love that she put into doing that, 
in trying to do everything in a way that was pleasing to God, even small little steps, even a small little uh, stitch with a needle, it was all offered with love. And so when we can begin to bring that into our own spiritual lives, whether it's some part of our job that we don't like, maybe there's a certain person at our work that we just really have a hard time getting along with, you know, to say a little prayer for them, smile at them each day, do an act of kindness for them each day, little things with great love. And if we just concentrate on doing those little things in the spiritual life, the big things will take care of themselves. Jesus said, if you're faithful in small matters, you'll be faithful in the big matters. So if we just do little things with great love, like St. Therese did, then that grace of God will imbue and imbibe our whole life and our whole life will become a visible manifestation of the love of God. So we just have to start with one little thing. We don't, not with 10, not with 20, not with 30, (laughs) one little thing each day. And then once we master that, do something else. And if we follow that, that recipe, then it's a, it's a a sure path uh, to heaven, to the love of God. How beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Sizzle. Always a joy, Chris. Thanks for having me today. You've been listening to The Great Cloud of Witnesses, Guides for Prayer with Father Mark Sizza. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, and to learn more about The Great Cloud of Witnesses, the saints, blesseds, and others of the Church, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join us next time for The Great Cloud of Witnesses, Guides for Prayer with Father Mark Sizza.